Welcome one and all to the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Jeff Sharon, Eric Lopez, and Brian Murphy with you as it is finally here. Football season is upon us. We're recording this a day earlier than we normally do. We're recording this on Tuesday night, August the 27th. UCF kicks off the 2019 season on Thursday, August 29th at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time at home against the Florida A&M University Rattlers. It's the 2019 opener. It's Christmas in August, gentlemen. How excited are you to unwrap this new look, relatively new look UCF offense with a new quarterback and all the stuff that's going to happen this year? I mean, I'm excited. I feel like I'm not as excited as Jeffrey, but I'm. I mean, I'm. I'm like on a. I'm like at a seven. Eric, I'm just. Ex- I'm excited because I've already been to a football game, and and that and this is only week one, so I magically got to week zero football. So uh, that's I'm right. You were at the. Uh, you were at the Florida. The Florida Miami yes. game, which I- I'm hoping that the quality of play at Spectrum Stadium on Thursday night is better than the quality of play in that game. My lord. Oh. Well, fa- well, fam use the opponent, so the answer will be no. But, <laughs> but hey, but it, at least on their end. So uh, hopefully, for our end, we'll be a little better. But that shouldn't be hard. Well, we've got. I will. Uh, oh, go ahead. No, 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 no. Go ahead, Brian. Let's go. <laughs> Intro the show. Jesus uh, Lord. Well, no, I was gonna. <laughs> I was gonna say that uh, you can follow us on Twitter at UCF underscore Banneret, Facebook.com slash Black and Gold Banneret, and of course, as always, at Black and Gold where we are the home of your UCF nights on SB. Nation. Murphy, you were saying? Uh, I give credit to Brandon Moore, cornerback, because I asked him a couple days ago if he had watched the Florida Miami game. And he said, yeah, you know, they actually watched it. Uh, he watched it with some of the other DBs. And I said, kind of, you know, with a little smirk on my face, I said, does he have any thoughts about that game? And uh, he, he laughed, but he didn't take the bait. He said, they're solid. They're solid. Yeah. But he, he did laugh. Yeah, well, Bam is Bam is running for office somewhere. I think because <laughs> yeah. that that game was, very good that game was so that game was it was such a the fourth quarter was such a was such a mess. Are you suggesting a football game with no preseason had was sloppy? Oh, <gasps> I was I'm shocked. It was, well, let me put it this way: it was so messy that I stupidly stayed up to watch the Hawaii and Arizona game because I I couldn't. It was like it was like leaving the court on a missed free throw it's like you don't want to do that you want to you want to leave with a good taste in your mouth so that's what i did i watched a little bit of the Hawaii game but um anyway all right so we've got um football opener and we've got uh, a bunch of other things to talk about is as well the um ucf women's uh soccer team got their season uh underway the men's soccer team is getting their season underway on uh friday we'll also be talking about volleyball who will be starting up friday as well um, on the road, so this is it. This is the first full weekend of uh, UCF sports coming your way here on Black and Gold uh, Banneret. And uh, but the first things first is we got to talk about football. And I knew this would happen, Murph. Right? No sooner did yep. we put up that podcast, and Josh Heupel decides to uh, decides that he has decided that he has decided on his uh, starting quarterback. It's going to be Brandon Wimbush. Um, not really a surprise, I think, to anybody. I think the more more of the surprise is that it probably took him that long, um, and maybe there's the sort of opposite surprise that you know, like I thought he would probably wait until game time. Um, but Brandon Wimbush uh, is going to get the start, although there were indications that, uh, and actually the statement from UCF said that Dylan Gabriel will see action, and uh, in fact, uh, Heupel said on the radio earlier. 
uh, this week. In fact, that um, that Dylan Gabriel will see action actually in the first half against Florida A&M with the ones, uh, ostensibly. So, uh, Murph, you follow this team throughout the camp. Uh, I know you're not surprised by this, but from what you could glean, uh, what was the deciding factor? Uh, experience, pretty much. That, that, that's that been pretty assured by both Heupel and quarterbacks coach Jeff Levy, who, you know, they talked about they talked about uh, Wimbush's consistency and things he did well, thinking how he's improved. But really, it does sort of focus in on his experience in this in this in, in these moments and you know with college football. So I, I really think that's what what's what got him to this spot. Um, but like you said, you know, uh, Dylan Gabriel is going to play in the first half, and and I think as I've said a couple weeks ago, like there's still a competition going on here. And and I believe that Dylan Gabriel will play probably at, in, during the FAU game as well as part of the game plan. And I think through as the season goes along, we will figure out a quarterback will distance himself and and he'll get more playing time. The other one will get less. And that that I don't know if that will be either Wimbush or Gabriel. Yeah, it's the the Mac thing is the part that really interests me now because I think that now. My, the, this might that might be the competition later on in the year, and so now I'm interested. By the way, do we have any update on Mac? Whether um, if they have any idea where he might, when he might be coming back, might be ready to hit no. the field or so no? Heupel said uh, Heupel said Monday, or no, excuse me, Saturday, which which was their Monday. I mean, I don't I don't I don't know what day is what anymore. Uh, he said <laughs> Heupel said Saturday that Mac is coming along, but the only thing he would really divulge is that he is not practicing this week that's all he would really say in advance so. of the family game right yeah okay um all right well i mean it's it's not a surprise i mean i think that obviously brandon wimbush's best threat as we know is his legs eric what do you glean from this it, it, were you it, what did you think about the timing of this announcement uh no, I mean I didn't think much of it. I mean I kind of we kind of knew that this was gonna be probably gonna wait till the week of the game, and yeah, you know, look, I think it's pretty predictable. You get Wimbush, the veteran, to start. Gabriel, who has no experience, get him experience. Get him experience with the number ones. I think it's, you know he's got some upside. He doesn't have experience. You don't know when Mac comes back or what his condition will be when he comes back. Is you know you can't assume that he'll just be 100 percent and ready to roll during the season. So I think you want to give yourself some extra options, and this is where the new rule again, where you can play a kid four games and still redshirt him. So why not take advantage of that? If this was five years ago, this probably would have been a tougher decision for Josh Heupel because you would have had to make a decision right away. Do you want to redshirt Dylan Gabriel or you do not? And whereas now you've got some time to do whatever. He can prove it on the field. And I agree with Murph. This is going to be a two-game deal where both of these quarterbacks play. And by the way, this is nothing new, and this has become more of the trend in college football. We saw it last year, and we're going to see it again with other programs this year where teams are going to play two quarterbacks uh, early on in the year if, if, if they have a youngster that they believe has a lot of upside but doesn't have the experience. Uh, and then you have a veteran guy like Wimbush. So I, I'm not surprised by it. The timing, the only thing that surprised me is they just decided to do it Thursday instead of waiting until Saturday, I, I guess. Um, so whatever reason, they decided to do that, which is fine. Yeah, um, thanks a lot, I, guys. I, you know, they just, it, it surprised me that they decided to announce it over Twitter. Right. That was deflating. Yeah, uh, yeah, maybe, they, yeah, maybe they just wanted to – maybe they just knew that 
you know, either Brian or, or Brandon was just going to go ahead and ask that question. So they're like, you know what? We're just let's just beat it out of it before these guys just bother us with this question and move it's, on. <laughs> yeah, let's just move. Yeah, hypo's yeah, hypo's out there saying, "Fine, Murph." Oh gosh, you know, get get it out there. Um, anyway, so we've got uh, so that's going to be the and also I well actually there was a little bit of um, I did see a, one other little interesting bit of news. So Parker Boudreaux is going to get the start on the offensive lineman because. Um, you know they're going to go with what they say are their are their five best. Um, yes. Any surprises there on that, Murph, or no? Yeah, that that is probably the best. The biggest surprise on the death chart is that Sam Jackson is listed as a co-starter at left tackle. Uh, we someone's going to have to make camp. a decision there. Can't start two left tackles. <laughs> well, okay. well, okay. So for for just for uh, for clear for clear you know clear, uh, clarity. Sam Jackson is ahead of Tony Gray on the depth chart, but there's the word or in between them. So technically he's a co-starter, but really he is the starter. Much like how Parker Boudreaux is listed atop the depth chart at guard, but there's an or under his name, and under his name is Sam Jackson. So Sam Jackson's going to be busy one way or another. He'll be on the field. Um, No, it's a surprise that Sam Jackson is going to play a lot at left tackle because he did, when he came into the the program – there was some thoughts that he could play tackle, but because Aaron Evans and Wyatt Miller were here, they kicked him inside. And since then, basically since he you know has been playing here, he's been guard. He's been a guard. Uh, he really doesn't have that much experience at tackle, and that lack of experience uh, sort of showed up this week in practice, where he admitted that uh, you know in his first day when he moved back to the, the tackle, he would still line up in his guard stance, just sort of out of habit. So you have to change your stance, obviously, when you're playing on the edge. And so, um, but, you know, he says he's gotten better, and the coaches say he's gotten better. But I am so intrigued to watch Sam Jackson on Thursday because I believe by the time the game starts, he will have had all of five practices out there on the edge. Uh, So we'll see how that works. Yeah, it's going to be something to watch, in particular against the opponent this week. Florida A&M. some words on the Rattlers this week. So um, they are coming off of a six and five record last season in their, which was their first year under their current head coach Willie Simmons, who uh, a graduate of Clemson by the way, two thousand three. This is only the second meeting ever between UCF and Florida A and M. The uh, first one is all the way back in nineteen eighty seven. Shout out to Chris Carter; he was there. Um, when and Florida A&M has a one and O series lead, they beat UCF nineteen to fourteen. Um, that was when UCF was still Division two. Um, but uh, FAMU six and five this year. They come in uh, ranked fifth in the uh, in the uh, preseason poll uh, put out by Black College Football. So uh, they're behind. Uh, or excuse me, they're they're. they're I beg your pardon, they're actually ranked second in that as of August 20th um, behind Alcorn State and just ahead of uh, North Carolina A&T. So um, FAMU comes in, uh, you know, uh, by the way, the biggest disappointment, I hate to break this down, but this is the biggest shock to me is that the band's not coming. Band is not coming. The, band, the FAMU band is they're not be, yes, making they're, they're the trip. They're competing in a uh, band competition that weekend. I think that uh, I would I've said this I would probably it would probably be a more exciting situation to see an intra-squad game for UCF 
with the FAMU band playing at halftime than to see Florida at, or UCF actually play FAMU in football. I mean, I, I mean, it's I I know. <laughs> listen, listen. Hello, we got Smash Mouth in concert. Who needs the band, huh? Got a little Smash Mouth before the game. Concert, By the way, great get. We got a little Smash Mouth football right after that. You see a Smash Mouth FAMU. So we've got. It looks like an all star. Huh? <laughs> so we've got. So so FAMU is coming to town. Now, they got whacked. Here's the big story with them. They got whacked with some NCAA violations. And Eric, I know you've oh. seen this before, but what. And, and Brian, update everybody on this situation because they got hit pretty hard by this. Eric? Go ahead, Murph. Oh, Murph, you wanted me to get that one. Yeah, they got hit with some sanctions there where basically there's going to be a bunch of players not available for them, right? Like, as yeah. I understand it, uh, they got hit pretty good with some sanctions, bans. They got uh, for illegal use of ineligible players. Yeah, uh, multiple ineligible players across multiple programs. Yeah. <laughs> they, yeah, they got hit with – this is from this is from Ileana, by the way. Um, Ileana Limon in the Orlando Sentinel. She actually she actually laid it out pretty nicely. She said, uh, um, five years of probation, self-imposed 2019-2020 postseason ban for football, baseball, men's basketball, men's track and field, women's basketball, and volleyball, vacating records for every contest – as though that matters – for every contest involving an ineligible athlete, um, reduction in scholarships by ten percent for baseball, men's hoops, men's track, women's hoops, and volleyball. Five percent reduction for football uh, for the next two seasons. Recruiting restrictions: a five thousand dollar fine, three percent of the school's total athletics budget, and a partridge in a pear tree. So, um, wow. <laughs> it's, you don't see the, the NCAA come softball down that spared. hard. Yes, yeah, softball, softball was spared, spared but, that, but that was about it. Damn you, softball was on the up and up. Yeah, so it's a softball program now, folks. <clears throat> so, so they're a little, uh, so they're a little shorthanded heading, uh, heading into this game. By the way, UCF is the only, um, uh, is the only one, uh, one Division One FBS team that they're playing on their uh, schedule um, this season. They're picked uh, third in the uh, in the MEAC, but let's just be honest here. This is this is going to be this is going to be they're they're overmatched in this game. I mean, there's no doubt about no. that. I mean, no. Oh, oh, oh wow. Well, well, here's 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 the thing. I get I I always get a little. Remember the South Carolina State game last year where it just looked like we're you know UCF. Uh, was going to steamroll them, but then kind of got just had some trouble getting out of the gates. Mackenzie Milton threw a couple picks. Um, I always get I, it's not that I get nervous about whether or not they're going to win or lose. I get nervous about the performance itself. You see if what this, I mean? If this game isn't thirty to nothing at the end of one period, Jeff is is dusting off the panic button. I yeah, I will dust off the panic button very very much. This this also needs to be said. The last I don't know how many ever minutes that we have spent on this podcast has been more than FAMU has been mentioned in four <laughs> availabilities that I've had this week. That might be true. Now, when you're okay, but when the coach is like you know, as you've talked to them, Merv, yeah, they can't come out loud and say, "Yeah, we're treating this like a preseason game in the NFL." You know, we're going to see right. some of the young guys. They can't say that because. I mean, first of all, it's 
obviously disrespectful to your opponent. And second of all, you know, it, it's just it's just bad form. You know, it's it, it, what, but what they can say and is, what they have said is that they want to get a lot of guys into the game. And what's the one way you get a lot of guys into the game? It's if it, the score doesn't matter. It's twenty eight nothing after three minutes. <laughs> right. So yeah, See, that's well, why nothing like that. We will be overreacting to anything that happens in this game because we're gonna just yeah. do that. Right. Well, really, well, it's. I mean, this is basically like the third, second or third preseason game in the NFL. I, you know, you mentioned the South Carolina State game, whatever. They they were sloppy because yeah, they're sloppy. You're not. I don't expect them to be at their peak opening weekend when you haven't had a, you know. There's going to be some anybody. there's going to be some opening week jitters with a new quarterback out there. Exactly, right. So, I mean, to expect that, you know, they're going to do what they're going to do. I think the two main goals from this game is to get some experience from some young guys, like mentioned, uh, Gabriel, but other players in other positions. And yeah. I think the kicking game will be, you know, we joke, but I do think it's important that UCF scores a lot because I do think they want to try out Murph uh, and kind of get the kicking game kind of, you know, kind of off to a good start, right? I mean, that's still a, a kind of Taking underrated question. I mean, Dylan Barnes. this is Dylan Barnes's third year in the program, and but he's still going to be nervous, certainly. I mean, right. he, he, he's backed up Matt Wright for as long as he's been here. So even though he's even though he's a veteran, upperclassman, he's going to be nervous too. Um, so, yeah, I mean, but they're going to get they're, – they're going to have those situations as well. This team's going to score – at least 50. I'll just put that out there. Uh, the thing is, you got to play a lot of guys, by the way, and take get them out of there so you don't get injuries, especially to your main that's starters. True. That's the main goal. The main goal is don't get hurt. And I know that's the goal every week, but especially this week. Yes. Yeah. That, uh, I, I, don't, I don't expect, and, and I was funny because some people have asked, well, how long, how much is Wimbush going to play? And I'm like, I hope not much. If things go well, he shouldn't play more than a half if things go well. So, I expect Gabriel to play a lot, and I expect Quadri Jones to maybe get some action late in the game. I mean, if things go as planned, a lot of guys should be playing. Yeah. Like well, my favorite part that I'm looking forward to the most on Thursday is Brian, like just breaking down all these guys deep in the depth chart that are in the game right now. Like that's going to be fun. <laughs> There's always going to be two or three guys who like pop out there, and you know, poor oh. Pat Pat Hernan is going to be out there saying. You know, new you know, new defensive you know or left tackle in the game for UCF is number sixty eight or whoever, and like the guy's not on the no. roster. <laughs> they wouldn't announce. It's okay. They wouldn't announce that, but I understand what you're saying. Here's how guarded UCF coaches have been with their plan for their quarterbacks. We don't even know where Mackenzie Milton will be during this game, and and <laughs> it, and that was asked today to hype. He'll be with- well, Say, plan, <laughs> do you plan for McKenzie Milton? Will McKenzie be on the in the booth with the coaches, or will he be on the field with the coaches? And all Heifel would say is, "Yes, we have a plan." Good, go- good God! I'm just I'm waiting gonna- for somebody to be like, "Oh my God, they're gonna put no, 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 they're not." Um, I love that. The uh, funny. yeah, that's that's that. actually that's actually quite brilliant by by Heifel. And he just, and I hope he just does that too with the CBS Sports Network crew. Please do that. Yeah. Just don't even. But what, what they ought to do, what really they should do, and they, well, you know, if Andy Seeley was still here, it probably would happen. But like, can we just put him in like in a wrestling disguise each week and just try to guess where he is? <laughs> hey, he was the guy in the mask that week, dressed as a security <laughs> guard. That would be great. That'd be great. He's wearing just a fake mustache like Bobby Valentine yeah! on the sideline. <laughs> um, <laughs> the game, the, the game is scheduled to be televised on CBS Sports Network at seven thirty. Uh, your announcers, by the way, Rich Waltz. Former Marlins play-by-play guy, right? 
We miss you, Rich, as a yep. fellow Marlin. We do. Uh, Aaron Taylor, who oh. I who I think is great, and uh, John oh, yeah. Schriffen on the sideline. Um, Aaron Aaron Taylor should give us lots of information about all those Notre Dame guys. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, he knows a thing or two about yeah. Wimbush and Bo Drew, right? Mm-hmm. So, and by the way, by the way, Brian, what I'm I was so impressed. I, Brandon Wimbush, I'm so impressed by him, and, and you know, I shouldn't be. I mean, he's, he went to Notre Dame, obviously, but. Yes. Such a class guy. I don't know how often you've talked to him. Obviously, he talked on Saturday. Uh, I've heard him talk to Mark Daniels. And he was such a classy guy uh, in today's age. You know, he talked about Notre Dame. He's so complimentary of Notre Dame and, and the program and his time there. And, you know, he's like, look, I'm, I'm here because I wanted to play, you know. And, and you know, obviously that wasn't going to be at Notre Dame. But such a classy guy that – to me, I hope every night fan, you know, you know, there's been so much chatter about who they prefer as the quarterback and things like that. But I, I find myself rooting for this guy, man, cause to have a great end of year, right, in his senior year, because yeah, yeah, I, I think he's what's all what's right about college athletics. No, I mean he's kind of, you know, he he is what you expect out of a grad transfer senior, uh, who's poised and, and and just seems very likable and smart. Uh, I, I think there was a really cool. He, first of all, we know that he will not he will not say anything derogatory or negative about Notre Dame. He just will not. I think it was a, a, an interesting response from Brandon on Saturday when I actually asked him about last season and how he dealt with what I think I termed it as sort of his up and down season with Notre Dame. And he said, "What are you talking about? I had a great season. We went undefeated." And that's kind of what who he is. Like, yeah, he got benched. He lost his job. And he loved last season because the team did great. And so I think in that that sort of thing fits right in. Now, I will say he went on to say talk about how he had to learn through adversity last year and, and what he learned. Um, so there was some revealing – there was a revealing part to that answer about what he learned when he did lose his job. Um, but his first reaction to that was the season last year was fantastic for me because we went undefeated yeah. until the playoffs. And I think that's important. I think that's important. And I know Coach Hypo has talked about that, that these guys support each other. So even though there's a quarterback uh, a competition here and everybody wants to play and things like that, I think that's important for this team's success because what you don't want is division with, from within. Well, why is that guy playing? Why is this guy playing? Right. And I think it's important to have somebody like Wimbush who's mature and experienced and has been through these type of things to be in this mix with youngsters like a Gabriel, uh, even a Quadri Jones. We don't know what max status is. I think that's important that these guys, and I know coaches are supposed to say, they're never going to say, well, these guys don't get along. But I do sense that's what struck me, Brian, and listening to Brandon is I do feel that's a maturity in that locker room that this team could definitely needs and has. Uh, and, and I feel good about that, whatever happens the rest of the year with the quarterback situation. Yeah, and yeah. you guys are both right about that. I think that the more we hear from guys like Brandon Wimbush, I think the the more UCF fans are going to really – like the fact that they have this guy at this particular time in in the program with you know waiting for Mac to come back and boy I think that's going to be real interesting you know if if Brandon Wimbush has a really good start to this season um you know I wonder what I just I just wonder what the coaching staff's going to think I wonder what the fans are going to think um well, he's is, got a great talent around him he's got yeah. great talent around him a great offensive line good receivers and backs and and it'll be fascinating one of the things to see is how is the play calling for Wimbush compared to a play calling for Gaber, right? They're not right. going to call the game like they did for Mackenzie Milton, but I think they can they use Wimbush's strengths, which I think is his likes. And that's the thing. People forget this guy won a lot of big games at Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
you know, but the passing game is obviously the question. But with this team, you know, I think they can use his strengths that really would benefit very well, and he's got a good offensive line. So I'm intrigued to see that play out. You know, Brian, you, know, you guys brought up Parker Boudreaux, uh, you know, Notre Dame guy himself, uh, you know, big, big, you know, we, so we, there we, dare I say, Murph, the uh, beast incarnate type lineman there. 300-plus uh, pounds, man. Let's, he gained 20 pounds, by the way, in the offseason. Gained yeah. 20. So I don't know, Eric. I mean, I asked him about Brock Lesnar, and uh, he said he'll yeah, ask – He'll ask to Salvo, but I would. I, I know they don't do individual interests in college, but man, that'd be something. Everyone no, wants so, that. So like, but here's my <laughs> thing, right? So like, can't we do something like like East Carolina, right? I believe every time there's a third down defensively, they play the Undertaker theme song, right? So oh, yeah, couldn't we yeah. do like every like every, anytime he makes a pan Blake uh, at a big block that breaks exactly. a thirty yard run? Can we do the Beast Incarnate music there? I mean, let's yeah, yeah. Them. Don't, don't give the, don't give these people any ideas. <laughs> Either that, or we could do like a, a shaft music, like every time Sam Jackson has a big block. I mean, we got plenty of material of uh, opportunities here, uh, but we're focused. I, well, we're focused a lot. You, the office, you got to be way, you got to be uh, careful we, with the with the uh, the Pulp Fiction drops that they could that they could put oh, in there yeah. for Sam Jackson. You know, yeah. Yeah. say said what one more time. Um, <laughs> uh, by the way, there is a line for this game. Did you guys know that? Yeah, well, there's a cup. Which one you want to use? Uh, I've got. Uh, where is this? Odd Shark has UCF as a 47 and a half point favorite. Yeah. Over under is 65 and a half. So basically, Odd Shark is saying that this should be a uh, 55 to 12 game or 56 yeah. to 11. Well, what's funny is, <laughs> you know that predict that score predictor feature that I really like on Odd Shark. Um, the the predicted score of this game there is fifty five point two to zero point zero. So oh, wow. well, so there you go. <laughs> so here's my real quick. I mean, defensively, what do you want to see? That any in, in in particular anything? To, I mean, it's tough, right? Because you're you you you're facing an overmatched offense that you should dominate. Right. Uh, I, I want to see. I, I want to don't give up any stupid big plays. You know, yeah. I, I don't blow don't blow any coverages really bad, um, you know, uh, and don't give them hope. I mean, if they're gonna games like this, always seem to go like this, right? Where you know the the team that is overmatched, you know, they'll they'll fall down like fourteen nothing, and then they'll mount a little drive just to just to get something going, right? And yeah, maybe they'll get a touchdown. You know, maybe they'll get a big play here or there. You know, maybe they'll get a field going. Oh, yeah, FAMU's on the board. It's now fourteen three, and then and, and then UCF stomps on their throat, right? Or whoever the the not over the, the or whoever the favorite is. Uh, get that. That's what I want to see. Is just it, 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 even if they mount that little drive, just hold no field goal. That's it, and and just take care of business the rest of the way. I can I can even live with giving up a garbage touchdown in the fourth quarter. You know, I that's because you have your freshman out there, you know, some kid blows a coverage, whatever. But um in the first in, in the first quarter in particular, just take care of business and don't let them mount a drive. Well, yeah, Brian, don't you want to see the defensive line too, right? A lot of names yeah. there. I mean, I'm 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 less concerned with the result because I know what the result is going to be. It's going to be a win. Right. By a lot, I'm more concerned with uh, just technique. Like even if Brandon Wimbush completes his passes, 
he's going he's doing against a, a you know a secondary of FCS talent. I want to see Brandon Wimbush move and set his feet. I want to see right. how he positions his body. Uh, I I just want to see him technically look sound. I want to see the defensive line. Although they may not get a lot of stats, I want to see what kind of push they create in the middle with the new guys like Cam Good, Noah Hancock, Landon Woodson, uh, Kenny Turney, Kenny 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 Sunye. It's Sunye. That's what I've been told. All right. Not Turnier. It's because he's from he's from Haiti, so it's really heavy French. Sunye. Kenny Sunye. He's obviously been here for a, a little bit, but this would be his first real like big chance at. at Big playing time, wide playing time, and so I want to see what those guys do as far as just getting off the ball, uh, getting push up front, uh, you know, changing the line of scrimmage. Those those things, you know. And, um, so again, if if it comes out with you know sacks and touchdowns, that's great. But how'd they get there? You know, I mean, Sam Jackson may not give up a sack, but how does he look getting out of his stance and and, and you know and just covering left tackle? Yeah, um, yeah. What about you, Eric? What do you want to see from this t- from this group? No, I think Murph hit it 100%. I think the big thing, I don't think we spoke about this last time, but this team's actually now deeper as a roster, Murph, um, than it was the last time I think we spoke, right? Because the, uh, the, the, they found out there's some guys would be eligible on the yeah. on this They're football team. On both sides of the line with uh, Cam Good at defensive tackle, Tony Gray at left tackle. On right, we even, yeah. And that, that's the two what? big wins for UCF there, getting those two what? guys eligible. What, what's the, what's the, what was the talk about that, Murph? And about that, and what the what impact they can make, uh, not necessarily just this game, but the, the rest of the year here. Well, Cam Good has been a, a major stud in fall camp, according to a lot of the coaches. Just the the effort he brings, the motor, the athleticism out of a guy who who has been really big. I mean, he came in at three twenty five. Now he's at two eighty, but he plays big, and yet he's so much more athletic and faster now. He can really do some big things on the defensive line. Tony Gray, I'm less certain of. Um, I, I just haven't heard as much. He was in that competition at left tackle with, with Trevor Elbert and Ed Collins uh, for left tackle. And, of course, none of them are starting now. Uh, all of them are backups. Trevor Elbert got moved to the other side of the line, backing up Jake Brown at right tackle. At right tackle. Um, but I, I don't know what to expect out of Tony as much. We'll see. But I think Cam Good has a lot of upside. People are really excited to see what he brings. All right. And we've got uh, – oh, by the way um, – in addition to that, by the way, if you're wondering, too, weather for this game, um, 83 degrees is the expected uh, game time temperature, 70% humidity. It's going to be a soup out there. Um, possibility of some rain in the early afternoon should clear out by uh, game time. It'll be a little gusty. Winds uh, out of the northeast at 11. So um, Can't be any hotter than it was Saturday night at well, maybe I don't know. Um, and uh, oh, by the way, one one other little side note: um, Leger Ducible will be uh, making his debut as a sideline analyst for UCF on the radio crew. So it'll be good to hear uh, Leger kickoff once again, seven thirty on CBS Sports Network, uh, and at Spectrum Stadium should be fun once again to see UCF back on the football field. And we'll see uh, what they do. Real quick, uh, yes or no? Uh, before we go to break, guys, uh, does UCF break their single-game points record of 73 set against Austin P uh, in 2017? Murph? No. Uh, Eric? Nah. Mm, yeah, I don't think so either. All right. <laughs> Moving on. Um, There's no reason to. I mean, whatever. Well, I mean, you <laughs> might by accident. I mean, you know. That was, remember, that was the game where people were like, 
I, I don't remember the final score, but people were like, they, yeah, they scored 73, but they, like, they gave up like 30. Yeah, like, it, was, awesome. it was like 73-29 yeah, or something. Yeah, I was at that game. Yeah, yeah, that was at that game. They, uh, Griffin, Griffin, Griffin had a scoop and score touchdown off a fumble. I think it was his first touchdown and only touchdown in college. Um, 73-33 was the final. Right. And that's that's really when that's that is the game where people really started freaking out about the UCF defense. It's true, and, uh, correct? Yeah, because they hadn't had an well, off day in so long. Yeah. And, and by the way, people are still concerned about it. That's going to be interesting. One of the many storylines this year is do they improve from last year? Yeah. Uh, you know, which I think it's going to be one of the which I think they will. Right, Murph. I mean, year two. I mean, I talked to some of the players. I'm sure you've talked to a lot of players. I get a sense that. Despite the fact they're maybe young in certain areas, they should be better defensively than what they showed last year. I don't know if they're better, but what they are is deeper and uh, probably more versatile and more athletic. And more experienced uh, in the scheme, too. I mean, yeah, they're more experienced in the scheme naturally because it's year two. But, you know, I don't know if they're better. I mean, again, you 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 get better you get better athletes in there. Like, you know, and, and Shane Burnham, the defensive line coach, has said, you know, Joey Connors and and uh, um, I forgot the other defenses, not Tristan Hill, but the guy the guys they had uh, uh, last year were not the most athletic guys, but they were good. They were they were experienced. They knew what to do. Um, these guys, are, you know, they're just not there yet because they don't have that experience. But what they do have is probably more just innate skill. AJ Wooten was the guy I was trying to think of. They, those guys were not as athletic as these guys, but who knows if they'll be better? Better is really subjective. I, I think they will be. I think they're. I think they. They are definitely deeper. They definitely have more guys. They. They know they can run out there, and I think they have more innate talent. It's about unleashing that, and I don't know if we'll see. We'll, we will just see. Yeah. All right. Well, we will uh, be following that game obviously intently. We'll have our uh, live thread up for that game, of course. Preview coming out from Luke Saris on Wednesday, and uh, plenty more in advance of UCF's uh, opener against Fami. All right. Here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna take a quick break, and we get back. We'll talk a little. News out of the American, uh, and we'll uh, recap for you some uh, women's soccer and look ahead to men's soccer and volleyball opening up um, this weekend as well. Stick around. The Black and Gold Bannerette Podcast is back after this. Welcome back to the Black and Gold Bannerette Podcast. Jeff Sharon, Eric Lopez, and Brian Murphy with you. Blackandgoldbanneret.com, UCF underscore Banneret on Twitter. Um, by the way, check out our predictions for the season on Black and Gold Banneret.com. They came out earlier uh, on Tuesday. We went. Here's what we went. We went game by game, um, and I asked all of you guys, uh, not just you two, but also um, you know everybody else. Derek Warden, our chief photographer, Luke Sarah, Savage Luke, um, Chris Carter, Jeremy Brenner, Chaz Short, CFB asterisk um, to go game by game. Give us their win loss. Predict the a predict the Americans West champion. Will UCF be in the American Championship? What will they do? And then what the bowl will be? Who the bowl opponent will be? And the result. So, um, interestingly enough, uh, as I'm looking at this, uh, Luke was the only person who said 14 and 0. Shocker! And Shocking he had uh, and he had UCF beating Houston in the American and beating Notre Dame in the Cotton Bowl. To go uh, fourteen and oh, we all had the Cotton Bowl. Uh, oh, I have Cotton. Yeah, yeah. We all. Oh, yeah, that's uh, where the. Gee, that's where the. Uh, yeah. I had now. I had along with Jeremy and Chaz. I had Michigan as the opponent. Uh, Eric, Derek, Luke, and Chris had Notre Dame, and Brian was the only holdout with Florida. Um, 
I wrote that. Come on. I wrote that on Friday, I believe. It's still it's it's, it's still it's still within the realm of possibility. I think even after no, the game, not. I was. Um, <laughs> I love uh, that. He's so, already turned on his pick. I, th- I, I think it's interesting. I was the only one who picked. Uh, I was the only one who picked UCF to beat Michigan. Of the people who picked Notre Dame, um, let's see, Eric, you picked them to lose to Notre Dame, yep. and Brian, you picked UCF to lose to Florida. So, what do you have to Which say for yourself? Very happy. Yeah, exactly. Um, I thought the uh, the picks for the American Championship were interesting. Five of us picked Houston, three picked Memphis. Yeah, that's good news. So right? Right. Uh, the, the trend's going Houston. That's good news for you as your Memphis. Fan. Yeah, <laughs> I don't like and, that. People are jumping on the Cougs bandwagon. And then what I also thought was interesting, talk about wisdom of the crowds, right, is the games that we thought UCF would have trouble with. Uh, three of us picked UCF to lose to Stanford. Four of us, exactly half of us, picked UCF to lose at Cincinnati. Uh, and let's see, two of us picked UCF to lose to Houston at home. So it's those three games that are kind of the the nail biters out of this whole situation in that order. At Cincinnati, Stanford, and yeah, now Houston. Now you, you, you're really like, you're you're calling for a crappy year in the G, in the group, uh, whatever you want to call it. I am. I, I, UCF, I don't see. You've got UCF in with two losses, which yeah. would be unheard of. Usually the automatic ch- group of five champion is a zero or one loss from any league. So that I don't think we're gonna. Perfect. I don't think we're gonna see that. I think. I think everyone's gonna have two losses at least. Okay. Um, now, that's now. pretty bold. I'll give you that. That's pretty bold. Look, look. That that's my bold. prediction. I'm sticking to it. I'm not in that group. People should see twelve and two. Understand that it contains the bowl loss for me. Right. So me I don't too. subscribe to loss. Still making the still making the New Year's Day six yeah. bowl game. No way. Um, let's see. So, so uh, by the way, and that's the other thing I want to go. The final record. Luke had fourteen and zero. Uh, Derek had thirteen and one, with the only loss coming to Cincy. Um, five of us went twelve and two. Uh, by the way, I'm not the only one who had UCF going twelve and two. With uh, oh wait a minute, excuse me, I'm wrong. Um, I must have written that down. Chris had UCF at thirteen and one. I had UCF mm-hmm. at twelve and two. Uh, Brian, now you're the you had only one that got him in two losses during the regular season. In the, yeah, two losses in the regular season, and um, I almost said. By the way, I I changed my bowl pick at the last minute. I almost said Miami Beach Bowl against Florida oh. Atlantic or Florida International, oh. I should say. And oh, I, but then just trolling the fan base. I'm, now. I'm, I know, oh boy. I almost, but I was like, no, no, no. I'm going to pick the Cotton Bowl, and then. Um, uh, well, I'm not the one trolling the fan base. That honor belongs to Chaz Short, uh, who picked UCF to go 11 and three. So, um, didn't Chaz have? He has them winning the bowl game, though, right? No, he has them losing the bowl game. Oh, okay. So he has them with yeah. two losses and right. losing the bowl game. Yeah. So, so yeah, he's he also has UCF losing two in the regular season well, and going I, to the Cotton Bowl. To, to expect two losses, and, I mean, you would need a lot of help there. I, I I don't I, I would not be, be I would not be surprised and I, and and my my uh, tinfoil hat take on this is I think uh, I think you're gonna have everybody with two losses maybe you have one team with one loss but the committee would give the nod to a team from the American because ESPN 
It's because of ESPN. It's because of the best conference. And, and I don't be, think it's an ESPN. Well, well the best, conference. best conference that's on ESPN. But and by the way, well, I think UCF has established itself as a brand, and people are going to want to see UCF instead of uh, you know no, Utah State. I, well, here's the thing. I think this week one will set the tone for all of that. You have Cincinnati hosting UCLA on Thursday night. Yeah, that's true. You have South Florida scheduled scheduled to host Wisconsin Friday night in Tampa. You have. Houston at Oklahoma on Sunday night, and you have old, uh, Memphis hosting Ole Miss on Saturday. To me, for all the people that are saying that the American doesn't get respect and all that stuff, and that's somewhat fair, this is a put-up-or-shut-up week. You have to win, in my opinion. At worst, you should go 2-2 two and two in that four-game slate. If you go worse than 2-2, two and two, then I'm, you're not, we're not going to get any credit or respect down the road. I'm just telling you that right now. Yeah. Because but- to me, Memphis should absolutely beat Ole Miss. And I think Cincinnati should, with all this hype, better beat UCLA at home. I mean, that's a big ask in year two with Chip Kelly out there at UCLA, though, don't you think? They beat him last year on at UCLA. UCLA is better. I don't think yeah. they're like some sort of right. Leviathan. Yeah, but that that game is going to be Thursday, across from the UCF game, but by the way, point. on ESPN, UCLA at Cincinnati. By the way, here's is, the here's the crew for that game, Eric. You ready for this? Adam Amin, Matt Hasselbeck, and Pat McAfee. Right. Boy, Adam Amin, man. Wow. And Molly McGrath down Great the crew. I'm, I'm going to watch that. Um, but, no, I think that's a big – I mean, you could say what you want about Chip and, and all that, but if Cincinnati was getting a lot of hype, you know, everybody thinks they're going to – UCF's going to go up to Cincinnati and lose on Friday night. I'm not sold on Cincinnati. I think they're a fraud. I think everybody's overrating <laughs> oh, them. Oh, man. <laughs> um, I saw them in person last year. I wasn't impressed. I think they're still a year – I think Luke's doing a good job there, Luke Fickle, but – I don't see them as a serious threat to UCF at all. But if they are, if, if people if they're really this good, they should beat UCLA because if not, they're going to get crushed by Ohio State the following week. Yeah. So they this is a big game for Luke Cincinnati, and I think it's a big game for the league because I did think the league was down last year, um, and I think it's a big year for the, the league to bounce back, and I think this week will set the tone for that. And, and again, I'm going to say it again. You could make the argument that the American really – can win three of those four. The only one that I think gets a pass is Houston because they got to go to Oklahoma. That's a big ask. But I can make the argument that the other three games, the American, could in theory win. Uh, USF is an underdog, obviously Wisconsin, but they're at home. Um, but I definitely think Cincinnati better needs to beat UCLA. I'll use that word. Needs to beat UCLA. And I think Memphis, Murph's favorite team and everybody's other darling, better beat Ole Miss, who's going to be a bottom team in the SEC. Yeah, Memphis is home. By the way, so so the time slots for those games, by the way, 7 o'clock on Thursday, UCLA at Cincinnati on ESPN. Um, if you're also interested, Tulane is home for FIU at 8 on ESPN 3. Um, Friday, um, by the way, I know this is not an American game, but it might be worth keeping an eye on for that group of five um for that group of five slot. Rice is at Army on CBS Sports Network. You can see what Army's all yep. about. Um, He's very good. That's Army, a lot of people think might be the second best team yeah. as far as the biggest threat here. And then if Boise State, Florida State gets played um, on Saturday, which I think is a big if, depending on, uh, you know, weather. Right. Um, that could be a big leg up for Boise State. I think the Mountain West is very good um, as well. So that's interesting. See, that's the thing. I- I'm surprised. 
I actually think UCF has to beat Stanford to, to get your pick correct, Jeff, because if they lose to Stanford, I don't know where they get the marquee. I guess you're you're going to argue that the Pittsburgh win would get them over the hump. Well, the, the Pitt win, and then the, I mean, and then I think UCF actually down the stretch could really just you know run roughshod over the rest of their schedule. True, and then and everybody's like, yeah, yeah, let's give them the benefit. Yeah, right. I um, uh, Wisconsin. You mentioned Wisconsin at South Florida. Wisconsin's ranked number nineteen. That game's on ESPN Friday at seven. Uh, Dave Fleming and Lewis Riddick have that game. Tulsa is at number 18, Michigan State. That's on FS1 at 7 on Friday. Our, our boy Tim Brando is doing that game. Um, let's see. What else? We oh, and then we come to Saturday. The Ole Miss-Memphis game is at noon on ABC. Um, let's see. Uh, FAU's at Ohio State. I know that's not a. Um, I know that's not an American game, but still probably but noteworthy. Big for the league to get some early games. Yeah. Your good TV slots, marquee games, opportunities. Ch- chance to, to see FAU. Right. Well, chance to see FAU. You know what? Are, you know well, FAU's at Ohio. Well, they're at, gonna get crap Ohio State. Well, what what are we going to see the following week from them? Um, not you know, because we don't <laughs> not much. Um, let's see what else do we have here. I'm just kind of rolling through here. Yeah, ECU's at NC State. That's on the ACC Network. Um, and that's uh, I know I'm missing yeah, a few because I'm looking on I'm looking on a spreadsheet here, but that's about it. Mer, I mean, Merv, don't you? I mean, for the I mean, for all the you know, because everybody's oh, everybody hates this or like it, conspiracies and all this stuff. I mean, for the America, this is a great opportunity. This is why you play these games is to get these games under your belt, get some wins in September when matters, and make a statement that you are one of the better that your league is really good, and that could pay dividends. Uh, to Jeff's point, come December. That yeah, where are the maybe the not only the best league uh, as far as the non P five, but maybe we're as good as the Pac twelve, if not better. Maybe we're as good as the ACC. But you got to get results on the field, and this is a great opportunity starting here in Week One. I would argue the the AAC was better than the Pac twelve last year. Well, yeah. everybody was. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> got to yeah. keep. Got to you got to stay uh, ahead of the competition. I, I, look, you got to win games. Yeah, I mean it's not that hard. You just got it's pretty simple. Win games, get respect. No, no but you're right. But Murph, you're right, 100. Because I do think, I mean, the, the Pac-12 has the same situation this week. They need to put up here a lot of hype about Oregon. Well, they're going to play Auburn and a true freshman. They need to win that game if you're a Pac-12 guy. Yeah. Uh, Stanford, you know, they're in a similar pressure. They got Northwestern to start off. You want to talk about? that game that's a big game there so you're right it's about getting results early in the year and i think that's what makes these games interesting we'll get a feel for who's good you know not that you don't necessarily know who's good or not but you know when we have these debates in november and december about how supposedly the committee doesn't know what they're doing when they're ranking teams these are games that does play a, a will help either help your argument or hurt your argument yeah mm-hmm. but by the way another game i'm going to keep it i would keep an eye on too after the ucf game 10 30 uh eastern on saturday Fresno State is at USC. And given what you guys are yep. talking about, yep. that becomes yep. a pretty interesting game. That game's on ESPN, by the way. So, uh, national oh, television. Point. Yeah. Because Fre- Fresno's another team that people are thinking yeah. about as, as a potential G5 yep. contender. And then you talked about the Pac-12. Well, what's USC going to do at home? Um, you know, they, they always they, – those two teams, you know, always well, seem to – something always seems to happen between those two teams when they get together. Well, so. and especially with – I mean, there's probably no coach in the country that's in a hotter seat than Clay Helton yeah, that's true. Uh, at USC right now. And with Urban Meyer probably blocks away in a Fox studio this year. So. <laughs> and don't forget uh, – and, of course, don't forget Sunday, September the 1st, like you said, Eric, assuming it gets played, uh, is that Houston-Oklahoma game. Uh, Oklahoma well, comes in number played. four. That one will get played. I- 
one I don't know. But oh yeah, that's right. Is Boise State. Yeah, Boise uh, State, FSU and Florida, Florida State. Wisconsin. Yeah, and boys and the Boise State Florida State game is scheduled to be in Jacksonville uh, Saturday at seven. Um, but you know we have the we have the tropical storm potentially uh, coming that way. So. Uh, Batting down the hatches, Grandma. We got a tropical storm. Yeah. Well, I mean, we've seen we've seen game. I feel like we've seen games played in tropical storm conditions before. If I'm not I would know. Yes, UCF included. I was there when they played Marshall. Marshall. That's right. 2011 at home on a game where I did. I was doing stats for Bright House in a monsoon. Imagine that. Um, if that if that thing if that strengthens a little more, it'll be the first time a hurricane impacts a football game this season. Yeah. It's like I said, like I said on Twitter, I mean, that Danny White, man, what a genius. Um, move this game up ahead. Uh, <laughs> move this game ahead two days because he knew the storm was coming way back in May. Um, the uh, uh, By the way, speaking of the American, new story that dropped uh, earlier today from an interview, on, initially with an interview on Memphis Radio, but then written up later by Matt Merchell, uh your boy over the Orlando Sentinel Murph. Uh the American his colleague. Hello. It's his colleague. Yes, his friend. colleague, compadre, comrade at the Orlando Sentinel. Uh with UConn uh, this is the lead from Matt. With UConn uh set to leave the American Athletic Conference in June, the league is planning to file paperwork within the next few days, seeking an NCAA waiver that would allow it to eliminate divisions in football. Uh, the plan from Mike Oresco is this, that the uh, divisions would be eliminated in the American starting in 2020, uh, and that uh, the league is trying to make sure that each team has a designated annual rival. And of course, for UCF, that would be South Florida. Um, the uh, objective also, I believe they're trying to, uh, they're, I believe they're also trying to get a... Um, uh, try to get a waiver to get a uh, championship to keep the championship game if I'm not mistaken too is that right yes yeah yes, so because they're not having divisions you got to put the waiver in uh, right and, and certainly which I think they will they everybody expects that to pass yeah eliminating the championship game this is according to Matt Michelle is out of the question because it is part of the league's media rights deal with the ESPN and another agreement with Learfield IMG College <laughs> Um, in other words, we get a lot of money for to carry that. Game. Yes, that's that's a big, that's a big huge oh, sir, I mean, check that we're yes. gonna get. So that's why that's why the Big Twelve is like, yeah, we got to expand. We need a, We need that conference title game. Oh wait, we don't have to expand. We can still get the game. Okay, great, we'll get. Yeah, that. fine. Yeah. All right. um, thoughts on this? I I I I don't think anybody's surprised by this. I a couple of people threw around on on social media threw around some ideas where you would have two designated rivals. And uh, it, and then the other six games would be uh, rotated, and you can do that. There's a way that you can schedule around that. I think it's good. Obviously, if you have only one rival, I think that's going to be South Florida, of course. Um, real quick, I just want to th- th- poll you guys on this: is if there was a second rival, who do you think it should be? Murph, I'll start with you. Memphis. Memphis. Okay. How about you, Eric? Yeah, I think Brian. What we had this debate. Uh, when UConn yeah. uh, left, uh, announced they were leaving. I forget when that was. It's been a long time. Uh, a couple months <laughs> it was ago. In the summer. It was, right? Yeah. It was in July, early July, something like that. Um, Murph won me over because I originally said maybe ECU and all that, but Murph makes a good point. I mean, UCF, Memphis for this league, and the last two years have had memorable games for the league, and and they've been playing for high stakes. So they've kind of developed a rival there. Certainly. Memphis looks at UCF as a big rival. That's the team they can't get through. So 
I'm with Murph. I, 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 I think Memphis should be that second game. It makes sense geography anyway. Um, and you hope that those are two of your programs that kind of carry the flag for this league and football. So I, I, I think it should be Memphis. There's, there's definitely documents there that proves it. This is only one anecdote from a different sport, but it kind of encapsulates how Memphis feels about UCF. When I was at the FedEx Forum for the, uh, the um, basketball tournament uh, in March, they showcased all of the programs that won conference titles that year. So they'd run through, you know, so you know, Houston wins such and such, and and uh, they'd run through every sport of the AAC, and the loudest reaction was when they showed UCF football champions. That got loud. That was a, it was a loud thundering boo, like Andrew, like Andrew Luck walking off the field in Indianapolis. Oh, that, oh that's harsh. That's harsh. Because uh, because I I really think they hate UCF, and I think that's good for the, the conference. I agree. By the way, who's going to complain about going to Beale Street every other year if you're a fan? I, uh, I, I, me being the uh, the traditionalist that I am from a UCF perspective, I want East Carolina. Now you do realize, like Memphis and ECU, they you know they've been they've played UCF for a long time. So, well, um, ECU actually has the longest period of time, um, or actually the most meetings, I should say, uh, seventeen meetings between these two squads uh, since uh, nineteen ninety one. So. Uh, UCF's won the last three, so so yeah, I'm a little partial, but whatever. Um, all right, so I'm sure that Beale in- Street wins, baby. Beale Street. We should probably Greenville. Beale Street, Greenville. What do you think, Murph? Well, since I can't, since I can't seem to get internet reception in Greenville, I'll go with Beale Street. <laughs> God, this Oh gosh, you guys, unbelievable! I can't. No, you, I you, swear you, to God, you whiny media guys, unbelievable. When I was up there. I, I was in a steakhouse restaurant. First of all, it was pretty good and it was very inexpensive. That's the barbecue. The barbecue in Greenville is solid, I will say. Very good, but I couldn't. I couldn't get on the internet at like ten o'clock at night. What you saying that the internet shuts down before ten o'clock at night in Greenville? I mean, Greenville, they might have saved power. <laughs> all right. Well, we'll. Um, I think we're, we'll probably hear by around October. I think is what I was seeing from that. But uh, am we'll I the only one that, that abused though by this? Like, I, like they had their meeting, their spring meetings, right? And, mm-hmm. and Mike Oresco brought this idea up, and 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 the anti Oresco crowd out there, you know who you are, ripped him. Oh, what is he crazy? He's out of his mind. You know, and the coach is like, oh, they're not for it at all. They're in the, and then UConn leaves. Now everybody's for it. All right, we're good. I do want to add too. I wish I could find it. I've tried. I spent like an hour looking for it. I know they they recorded his his speech, and I watched his speech. But after his speech at the uh, at the meeting in Newport, Rhode Island, back in July, he did do a little bit of Q and A, and that I can't find. But in that Q and A, I can almost guarantee that he was asked about maintaining rivalries, and he mentioned UCF and USF, and yeah. so. Any, That's the marquee who, game, isn't it? <laughs> right. Anybody who's concerned about the lack of divisions uh, breaking up this game, like, no, that game's not going away ever. No, 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 no that's going to yeah. be a, a big part of it. And the reason why he was forward thinking about getting rid of the divisions to begin with, and people didn't, you know, because people, you know, what we do now is we just read the headline and rip the guy without listening to his, you know, people, actual reason why they said it. The reason was he was concerned. He was openly concerned about last year's situation where 
UCF played a Memphis team that had what four losses going in or five something like mm-hmm. that. Um, and he was like, "Look, uh, honestly, yeah, if Memphis beats UCF, I would have congratulated them and everything, but that would have cost us money." Um, and so his thought was, maybe we can guarantee that that doesn't happen by getting rid of divisions and playing the two best teams record-wise. Um, you know, with a win-loss record and division raw uh, and their conference record overall. That's why he was thinking because. The goal is you want to get that all-access six bowl, and you don't want a team with four losses to kind of spoil that for you. So that was why he was bringing it up. Uh, and now, because of UConn leaving, it becomes almost a necessary. You know, you have to do it. Right. And I think everybody understands it. And I think they're going to be fine, like Murph said. I think um, I don't think it hurts the league at all. It's worked out for the Big 12, and you're not even going to have to play everybody, I don't believe. Uh, I'm more interested, and we'll find this out more when we get to basketball season, if they will expand the basketball conference schedule uh, and maybe where everybody plays everybody a home and home. I think that's the thing that I'm curious come, uh, come November when we talk basketball. Yeah. That's going to be interesting to take a look at there. Um, All right, let's take a break. One more break. When we get back, we'll wrap up by catching up with soccer and volleyball coming up here uh, on the uh, black and gold banneret podcast. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Jeff Sharon, Eric Lopez, Brian Murphy here. Let's uh, wrap it up here as we head. Like we said, we're heading into the first full weekend of UCF sports where all the major fall sports are actually playing. Um, the The season kicked off actually earlier this weekend with women's soccer uh, who went to uh, or, or who uh, took on number 16 Wisconsin in their uh, opener at home. Uh, but came up short one to nothing in that game. Uh, Wisconsin got a uh, goal in the 64th minute by Danny Rhodes. Um, UCF, uh, all the shots were nine to eight. Um, the uh, corners were in favor of Wisconsin seven to five in that game. But uh, UCF loses the one to nothing decision um, and uh, drops to zero and one. But they will, st- but they will fire it back up. Um, at home uh, Wednesday night, 6 p.m., uh, against Ohio State. Um, and, uh, by the way, looking up uh, Ohio State. A lot of positive signs there. While, while you looked that up, I watched that entire match thanks to Twitch. They played well. Home for yes, that was big. We'll talk Twitch. about that in a second, too, because I, I have um, something to say about that. I, there was a lot of positives. I, I watched that match. UCF could have easily scored early in that match, a couple minutes in, net, missed a net. They had a penalty kick opportunity in the second half to try, and just wasn't a good PK opportunity. It was short, but I saw some positives. This is a young team there, very good Wisconsin team. We mentioned this last week. They're a Big Ten tournament, a championship contender. Uh, this is a team that's definitely a team that could potentially be a Sweet 16 team in the in the NCAA's Wisconsin. I'm talking about. So, not you know, unfortunately they gave up the goal, so it's a tough result. Uh, but I saw some positives there, and we'll see how they if they can build on that. Uh, going against Ohio State uh, yeah. Wednesday night. But by the way, Ohio State coming in lost their first two games uh, at home to Louisville two to one and Mizzou three to one. Last year they were nine six and four um, and got knocked out of the Big Ten tournament on PKs by Nebraska. So by the way, they're receiving votes in the uh, United Soccer Coaches poll. So Ohio State is another quality opponent that Tiffany Roberts Hadak has coming into. Um, into town, so uh, and the game will be tele- will be televised on Twitch. By the way, um, now I'm, we mentioned this before with uh, UCF's Olympic Sports going to Twitch.tv, which uh, it, which by the way 
you no longer have to pay for that. Um, UCF Knights you used to have to pay was a 99 bucks a year for UCF Knights.tv. And in this uh, transition year before UCF goes to ESPN, moves their Olympic sports over to ESPN Plus, uh, the um, the games get moved. Uh, they're they're putting everything on Twitch, which you know, as we all know, is, is the gaming streamer gaming streamer channel. Um, but uh, a little bit of an issue, though. By the way, if you have Roku like me, I couldn't get the Twitch channel on Roku, so I can't watch the games on my big television at home. I had to watch it on oh. my laptop, and that was oh, Murph, a little this, annoying. Oh, boy. I'm just saying. So, no, so, so saddened by this. R.I.P. <laughs> I mean, well, Jeff, you do know there's this thing called a laptop. I that's I, I was watching, but I like sometimes I like watching like, UCF phone, soccer. Watched, was, I no, I no. Listen, I got this. My, my I got my living room. See, I'm a cord cutter. I got my living room set up. I can get stuff through my Wi-Fi. I want to see it on there. So, I'm kind of bummed by that. But um, oh, not, here's but, another idea. Go to the game. Don't worry about it. Just go to watch it in person. True point. Oh, you know, I got, got the two kids. I can't. Now. I can't. You know, I can't go to every game. But you know, I'm trying to get to the games. Um, by the way, speaking of the games, men's soccer is starting up this weekend. They have a huge weekend to start the season. By the, they they won their two exhibition matches by a combined score of nine to one against Eastern Florida and FIU. They start at number four Wake Forest in Winston Salem on Friday at six, uh, and then uh, they take on um, number six North Carolina. Two days later, Sunday, September 1st at 7.30 p.m. Uh, in Chapel Hill um, before coming home to play Penn State. So, uh, wow, Scott Calabrese really loading it up to start off. Um, Wake Forest has beaten UCF twice in their uh, all-time series, but the last time they played was in 2006. Um, <clears throat> uh, the, the, uh, the last matchup was a 5 nothing win for, uh, for Wake Forest. Against UNC, uh, they have won the lone uh, matchup against UCF. That was back in 2006 as well, one to nothing. So, um, big start for uh, Scott Calabrese's team, who, by the way, like we said, has scored a bunch of goals in the exhibition season. Let's see what they do against two of the top six teams in the country, right, Eric? Yeah, it's going to be big. I mean, Wake Forest is a national championship contender. Uh, so that, that, that both of them are. That's going yeah. to be certainly a tall order. Some good news for UCF was in their last exhibition against FIU, Luis, Luis Perez. Luis scored a goal. That was great to see him. It was his first action. He had an ACL injury, which if you uh, if you go back to our last episode, mm-hmm. uh, we had Scott Calabrese on. He talked about that and bringing him in slowly. That's huge because he's also a Herman watchlist. He's kind of under the radar with Cal Jennings on the team. So it's good to have him back on the pitch. So, yeah, they're going to be tested with Wake Forest in North Carolina. There's no doubt about it. And, and, you know, as as Coach said in our last episode, and we encourage you uh, for all your previews, we have men's soccer and volleyball in our last episode. Yep. Uh, It's Coach Calabrese and Dagenet. Check that out in our archives, wherever you listen to the podcast. But, you know, they're going to learn what they need to work on real quick with those two matches. And so it's going to be fascinating to see how they kind of pair up and how they match up against two of the top teams right now in the country. So mm-hmm. they're pretty exciting top 20, top 15 matchups right off the bat. Yeah. So I'll be keeping an eye on that. So I do want to see how Cal Jennings starts the year and do we get any uh, relief for him on the uh, scoring side. Volleyball is also starting this weekend. They are on the road. They uh, 
fell in their exhibition up in Gainesville against number 10 Florida um and uh, they played they they played an automatic five sets which they do in exhibition so UCF uh did take one of the five sets up at the uh, up at the O-Dome but um McKenna Melville double double 17 and 11 digs um and it was good to see um also uh Aaron Olson back out there too so cuz she was hurt at the end of last year that no doubt had an effect on the end of UCF season but they start the regular season that was an exhibition match. They start the regular season at the Rebel Ed Invitational at Ole Miss. They go Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Friday at 4 against Iowa State. Saturday at 2 against Rice. And Sunday at 1 against the home, the, uh, the, uh, home uh, uh, hosts, Ole Miss. That's on SEC Network Plus, by the way. If you get that, you'll be able to watch that matchup. Um this is before UCF starts the home series, the the home schedule on Friday, September the sixth. But uh, big news for volleyball and that they're picked to win the American this year by the uh, in the preseason coaches poll. They had eight of the twelve first place votes. Cincinnati had the other four. Uh, UCF was picked number one in the preseason. Jordan Thompson of Cincinnati was a unanimous selection for uh, preseason player of the year, but. Uh, one UCF night, McKenna Melville was a unanimous preseason all-conference team selection. Um, Christina Fisher and Anne-Marie Watson of UCF were also mentioned on the preseason uh, all-conference uh, team. So high expectations for UCF, um, expected to repeat. Um, but uh, this will be this will be a big uh, weekend, of course. You know, getting that SEC and Big Twelve competition, two of the bigger. Um, conferences in college volleyball if UCF is able to take care of business uh, against uh, I, I, I'm always looking at that like the, the match they should win is the Rice match and then you want to get one of those two against Iowa State or Ole Miss um, if you can get the Ole Miss match I mean all the better I'm not, nothing against Iowa State they're pretty good but um, those teams are going to definitely help play, even just playing those teams is going to help out your RPI winning at least one of them really will so um, that'll be the start of UCF's volleyball season before they get going on uh, with the home schedule on Friday, September the sixth against uh, South Carolina. All right, we're still gonna, let's wrap it up. We still got a lot of things to preview here. Murph, what do you have on tap for us as we get ready for Thursday night? I'll be a part of the uh, UCF Benaret roundtable here. We'll unleash that tomorrow. Yep. And, Credit and, to uh, Jeremy Brenner for popping that together for us. Yes. And uh, I will be at the stadium. Let's see. The game's at 7.30, so I will be in the press box by 4.30, and then I'll probably be there on the campus before that. Uh, I, I got to check out a little Smash Mouth, right? Like, no, What time no, is the Smash Mouth no, set, by the way? No, I don't. No, I don't. Not <laughs> one second. Not a fan? Uh, a little all-star? You know, that's all-star. you're an all-star? Yeah. Jeffrey. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm used, I'm used to Jeff having bad takes. That's why. Walking I on the sun? Thank Eric. you. There we go. Rick, I, I'll, I, I listened to Smash Mouth. The 17-year-old me had Smash Mouth pounded into my skull. All right? <laughs> I, I don't need it. It's fine. By the uh, way, two, would, two hours like, prior to game time, Smash Mouth goes on stage at 5.30, by the way. Go ahead, Murph. I'm sorry. Great. I'm sure. I would like to also apologize to the city of Greenville. It's fantastic. And uh, <laughs> to uh, people who uh, booed Andrew Luck, although I used – as a joke, let me say that you are all 
uh, out of touch with reality. And so that's a very nice that's way where of putting I'll stop. it. <laughs> wow. Oh boy. I, man, I, th- I thought you were gonna break like. Wasn't there like I thought you were gonna talk about Eric Skoglin coming back in the big leagues for the Royals? You know what? <laughs> Go back in, yeah. Now that you mentioned it, Eric, yes, Eric Skoglin. We, you know, I when I talked to Dylan Moore, he was at that point last Wednesday the only UCF player on a forty-man roster. Well, now there was two because Eric Skoglin started on I believe that was Saturday uh, for uh-huh. Kansas City. He threw five innings. I think he gave up two runs. He struck out nobody, which is <laughs> highly odd for this day in baseball. But uh, whatever. He got no decision. It was fine. There's another UCF guy up. That's what's fun. And now there should be a few more once the calendar ticks over to September 1st. Of course, there's some sad news because Jason Bradford is out for the year and out for all of next year, most likely with Tommy John surgery. Uh, um, so what are you going to do? I know. That's a bummer. We're wishing – Chasing the best in terms of his recovery. Oh, that's right. The September call-ups in, into, are yeah. this weekend, isn't it? And not yeah. only that, you better soak these call-ups uh, in because this is the last year that rosters expand from 25 to 40. What? Next year, yes. Yeah, so starting next year, rosters only expand from 25 to 28. So Wow, really? I didn't wow. know about that. That's wow. Yeah. yeah. This is a Murph well, bomb, people. Well, thanks, right here. thanks for not paying attention to baseball, guys. It's a fun game. Uh, you got a stick and a ball and some bases. It's been around for a few years. Maybe check it out. Anyway, next year they're cutting down the, the call-ups from 40 to 28, mostly for two reasons. One, people don't want to see guys who have never had an impact on the game impact pennant races. And two, those games are too damn long uh, when you've got 40 guys on a roster, I mean, which means you probably have – 15 to 18 guys in a bullpen and if you've got a game between like uh the tigers and the royals on like september 15th uh you don't want to be there for four hours watching 15 pitching changes why we're gonna be there anyway so i i that's that's such a bummer i, I i'm surprised that the players association was okay with that well 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 we're not going to delve into the issues with the Players Association right now, Jeff. That's for, oh, that's for a different UCF Ban Red podcast. Well, I, I see. The reason, only reason I brought this up, I was trying to set it up until we, I, you know, I did not know the, the big breaking news about next year. But uh, we could have more UCF guys get called up, right? Like Bo Taylor is with Toronto, right? That's the one you think hey, might so happen? Bo Taylor is with Toronto. He should be called up. Um, I don't know. Do you think the Rockies would give Drew Butera another shot? I believe he's still down in Albuquerque. Um, right. so he's in the Rocky system. And I believe that's it, right? If Correct me if I'm wrong. But as far as like like UCF guys who are probably on the fringes of the major leagues, certainly Dylan Moore is up right now and had actually had a three-run home run last night against the Yankees. Uh, and then you've got Bo Taylor, Eric Skoglin, probably Drew Butera, and that's it? Because I think oh, well, Ben Lively's in Korea. Um. So, Winkler. what about Danny Winkler? He's hurt, right? Oh, that's right. Well, no. So Danny Winkler, so Danny Winkler got traded from the Braves to the Giants on the uh the last day before the the trade deadline, the day before the day of the trade deadline, he got traded from the Braves to the Giants, and then the next day he was designated for assignment. And I am not sure if he's actually got he actually wow a Man. minor league assignment in the minor leagues. I should look that up. That's Drew. Drew Butera, incidentally, right now for uh, Albuquerque in the PCL and AAA is hitting 304 in 62 okay, I'd games. Like to, I'd, like to point, I'd like to point something out. 
first of all, the PCL is already an extremely hitter-happy environment. Secondly, this ball is ridiculous. So See, this is why we have you on the podcast, Murph. This is the, the, no, this great. kind of insight right here. Like, just like, do you have his slash line? His slash line. He's like OPSing over nine hundred. It's kind of nice. Uh, his OPS is right at is eight ninety seven. He's got a five hundred slugging and a three ninety seven on base. Get called up. That's what it sounds like to me. Sounds like a guy that needs to get called up. Guys, we, we're now having me Google Dan Winkler. So <laughs> a heat. <laughs> Uh, By the way, for those there are because I know there's going to be some people going, "Hey, he didn't bring up Cody Allen because Cody Allen technically was it." I mean, yeah, but like, he's done. Thank you. That, I just wanted you to say that officially for the record. It's too bad. I mean, it goes quickly, man. It goes quickly if you're a reliever. Closer to all star like a few minutes ago. What? I thought he was an all star like five minutes ago. Like he was a couple years ago. He was the head of that bullpen that had Andrew Miller in it. Yeah, um, it was fantastic. But man, he he lost it quick. He got cut by the Angels early this year. He's cooked. It's it's, it's, <laughs> it's a great it's the best base UCF baseball pro recap, ladies and gentlemen. Just optimism right here. Hey, I think Tyler Osick got uh, Tyler Osick got uh, promoted to, to to high A, which uh, is a good thing for him. He, he was he was raking in, in rookie ball. So. So you know, it's not all bad. It's not all bad. Yeah, love some guys. Love it. Yeah, and uh, uh, yeah. By the way, Osik with the white uh, with the White Sox in the Arizona Rookie League. By the way, this year, uh, he was hitting uh, two seventy one. You know, not too bad. Seven nineteen OPS. That'll get that'll get the job done for for. Uh, as, and it, so it looks like that Dan Winkler. Uh, did accept. I know. I'm, I'm still on this, by the way. I'm still talking about Dan. <laughs> Dan Winkler did accept an assignment with the Giants. He's currently at their AAA club in Sacramento. And to his credit, in the PCL, which I just talked about, is a really friend, like a hitter friendly league. Uh, he's throwing ten two thirds innings. He's got one run in that time uh, with seven Ks and three walks. So I mean, it's been pretty decent. Could get called it's up. Could get called up. I mean, yeah. he could get called up by the Giants. Zero point eight four ERA. So. Fair. And the Giants are going nowhere, and he was pretty decent a couple years ago for the Braves. I mean, we're connecting dots here. You know, you know who you know who had it right, Ben Lively. Because again, Ben Lively went to Korea. He's probably getting a lot more money than any of these guys who are currently on the farm. That's probably true. Wow. <laughs> and that your UCF baseball update brought to you by Brian Murphy. Hey, look. Season starts in February, guys. We're only like six months away. It's great. Oh, my God. Here we are. Um, And then, uh, uh, Eric, what do you have uh, coming up? I just want, like I said, every week a Murph baseball update should be like a requirement for the show. (laughs) I mean, I think we just created a a segment. We can call it. I don't know. We can come up with a nickname for it. Uh, Murph's lineup or something like that. Well, it's, it's going to be tough because, again... Diamond it, Notes people, is taken, unfortunately. Yeah, so. Diamond Notes is taken by a Boston writer whose name escapes me. Uh, no, uh, it's, um, <laughs> um, it's going to be hard to do that weekly for two reasons. One, it's late, it's late August, and the baseball season in the major league level ends soon. Secondly, the modeling season has already ended for many leagues, so, you know, whatever. Yeah. Well, there's always a play. Maybe somebody makes the playoffs or, you know, something. Or maybe, you know, it's football and baseball just, starts. Well, no, no, no. No, no. Here, in advance, we're just going to have to apologize to Sam Unger for, you know, not having as much as he might have wanted. So, How about I just project 2020 UCF baseball, um, uh, like, uh, promotions and locations? <laughs> 
Or, or how would they you got yourself a story idea right program? there? <laughs> or maybe, or how about this? What nicknames would you give the UCF baseball? What what nickname did Dylan Moore use in last week's Players uh, Weekend? Where those I'm sure, I can, I'm sure I can look that up. I know that's on the internet somewhere. <laughs> All right. Well, while you do that, I might be able to find that before the podcast is over. <laughs> okay. Well, there you go. I like this. Is a what a cliffhanger. Uh, while Murph does that, uh, I will say, what am I doing? Well, I'm part of that roundtable as well with our predictions. I also wrote on Black and Gold Banneret that 11 athletes you should watch this fall in UCF athletics. And here's a hint. They're not all football. There's two, there's a couple of them. Don't get me wrong. But there's a, a lot of talent across all the full sports. So we break down some of the names, uh, great student athletes that UCF will uh, be showcasing this fall in football, bas- uh, football, volleyball, men's and women's soccer and cross country as they all get going. So that will be all on the Black and Gold Banneret. Yeah. And we've got, uh, by the way, on my side, we have, uh, I've been doing a couple of series here. First, we've been doing, I've been doing Let's Not Talk Football with, uh, going back to media day, some, uh, I remember I sat down with some UCF football players and asked them questions that had nothing to do with football. And uh, I'm, I'm shocked. The feedback on it has been so great. Um, so I got two more in the can coming your way. Um, and I'm not going to tell you who it is, but already I've got uh, Jordan Johnson, who is great. Eric Mitchell, who is a great dude, and the silent and the silent warrior himself, Greg McRae, was the one that went up today. Um, got a little bit of an update from Mackenzie Milton. Um, he went on ESPN College Game Day on Saturday from the Magic Kingdom. Very good UCF presence out there. Uh, by the way, he said that the nerve damage that he suffered in his in his leg is basically back to 100 percent. In an interview with Maria, isn't that Taylor. what he said to told Van Pelt too? Um, yeah, he kind of hinted at that, but he was, but he emphasized it with Maria. So, right. um, oh, yeah. that was so that so that was some good news. We got that clip up there, and we also have our uh, fall sports uh, everything you need to know series. We did women's soccer right before their game. Uh, if you want to catch yourself up on who the uh, on UCF women's soccer heading into uh, this season, make sure you check that out. This week we've got volleyball and men's soccer coming your way as well before they have their openers on Friday. Everything you need to know about those uh, two squads. And also, don't forget to sign up, if you haven't yet, on the new SB Nation Fan Pulse Top 25. Uh, to vote in that, go to our site. Uh, we have a link to uh, sign up for that uh, at the very top of the site. Uh, SB Nation Fan Pulse Top 25. It's our uh, it's our SB Nation's overarching uh, uh, effort to try and basically do a better job of the top 25s and we need your help as UCF fans who are knowledgeable about college football to uh, vote in that so you got that plenty coming up here don't forget football is coming up on uh, Thursday at 730 we got volleyball and soccer on Friday it's just a busy weekend here we go boys it's showtime it's the start of the year we got a lot to talk about uh, and we'll be interested to watch that don't forget our live thread will go live an hour before the game 630 p.m. on Thursday uh, as well uh, and we'll be there uh, either watching uh, on TV or uh, Murph, I know you'll be there along with Jeremy Brenner in the press box actually uh, covering the game from there. So, yeah, I, Jeff, I will be there. I feel like you're burying the lead, though. Oh? Dylan Moore's, Dylan Moore's Players Weekend nickname. Okay. It's unfortunately not very creative. It's just Demo. D. Oh! That's, man, come on, Dylan. You can do better than that. It's not. It's not nearly as good as Daniel Vogelbach, who's a big kind of overweight left-handed power hitter. His nickname was the Babe, which is just great. Fantastic. 
Excellent. And, uh, and if, if to any of you who are real baseball fans from the 80s and 90s, D. Gordon is using the the lightning bolt emoji for Flash. Flash. Father Tom Gordon was nicknamed Flash. There you go. Love that. Love that. All right. Uh, with that, we are done for this week. We'll be uh, don't forget all that previous stuff like we were talking about. Uh, and follow us on Twitter at UCF underscore Banneret. Follow Brian at Spokes underscore Murphy. Follow Eric at Eric Lopez Elo. Uh, and also follow the rest of us. In our preview article, I have a Twitter list that you can follow that has all of us, uh, including uh, Chris and Luke and Jeremy. Luke Saris SBN on Twitter. Uh, and uh, Jeremy, uh, Jeremy Brenner a- as well on Twitter, um, who will be at the game. We'll all be tweeting like crazy for this game and giving out our observations uh, <clears throat> as we uh, as UCF begins the 2019 campaign against Florida A&M. For all of us here at Black and Gold Banneret, blackandgoldbanneret.com. For Eric, for Brian, I'm Jeff. Thank you so much for listening. It's been the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. We will catch you later next week.